Would you put your hands together and welcome one of my best friends on the face of this planet? Oh, come on. You can do better than that, Pastor Kyle Jackson. War Eagle. That's the only time I'll say it in the state of Georgia for the next seven days. That's for sure. Where are my Georgia fans at? All right. Yeah, that roll tide security over here on the on the right side. So hey, I appreciate you you welcoming me tonight. Can I just um, before we get started? It's so good to be here. Um, it's 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 such an honor to be here with you tonight. I've been thinking about this moment for the last 10 or 11 months since Pastor JC and Kimberly took the opportunity to be here um, to honor his father-in-law and Kimberly's dad and just the beautiful transition that was. I hope you know in the church world to watch what they did and passing the baton and the way JC honored his father-in-law and the way his father-in-law has openly stepped out of the way after 30 years of ministry here is not done very well across the country and and, and the, the church world could learn from what happened here at South like they could learn from this. So I just want you to know that what, what's going on the last 11 months has been a beautiful thing and we've watched it around the country. But before we jump in tonight, I just want you to know something. I, I've got to travel around the last seven or eight years and, and share in a lot of churches and be in a lot of churches and see a lot of amazing things. And I want you to know, first and foremost, the church is in good hands across the world today, that the body of Christ is doing well. It's vibrant. People are getting saved. People are getting baptized. People are receiving gifts, being baptized in the Holy Spirit, serving and leading in their communities. Um, and I get to go to a lot of churches, and I want you to know something. Uh, there's a lot of good pastors, and there's a lot of good preachers across our country today, and there's a lot of good leaders across our country today. But every once in a while, you get a church that's blessed with not only a good preacher, but a good leader. And, and it's, it's rare to find somebody that can preach like Pastor J.C. can preach, but also has the gift of leadership like Pastor J.C. has on him, because transition is not easy. And what's gone on the last 10 months here at this church has not been an easy thing to come in and preach as much as you have to preach and to follow his father-in-law, who's an amazing preacher as well, but also come in and lead and take on a staff and transition and get to know so many people. And just by the way, there's another church 702 miles up in Washington, D.C. that's a part of what you guys are doing too. I just want you to know something. You not only have a good preacher, you have a good leader in the Whirlies and J.C. and Kimberly. So thank you for honoring me tonight. But would you do me a favor? Would you honor your senior pastors tonight before we get started as well. Come on, South Metro, let them know that you love them. They are good, good people. 90% of that being Kimberly. Can I get an amen? Amen. Hey, I'm excited to be with you tonight. Um, I came all the way here. I, I, first Wednesdays, um, this will be the first time in a long time that I've gone to a first Wednesday, and it hasn't been one of those hip, hip, hooray, inspirational, uh, let's get everybody standing up and clapping type of messages. I really felt like the Lord laid on my heart. He said, Kyle, come and challenge South Metro in this season of their church. Uh, you've got some messages that you could come and preach and you'd get some amens and you'd get some hallelujahs and maybe some people would come to the altar and, and, and we could do that tonight. And it's been a beautiful night to see baptisms back here on stage. Come on, who knows 14 people getting baptized in the local church is not a normal thing on a first Wednesday. Uh, what's going on here is amazing. People are getting saved. People are getting baptized. People are going through your move track and figuring out their spiritual gifts and they're serving and you're giving. You're serving the community well. JC was telling me about one of the schools here in town that's using your parking lot, using your field behind them because they've run out of space. You guys are serving the community well. But I just felt like the Lord said, hey, come and, come and challenge tonight. 
Uh, and even as baptisms were going on, I second-guessed the message a little bit. I'm like, man, it's such an inspirational night. Uh, but I'm, I'm a coach's kid. I grew up in a locker room. My dad was a high school football coach at Auburn High School for 12 years, was a baseball coach. I played college baseball, coached college baseball. Uh, I have, the, the coaching thing is inside of me. So I'm coming tonight, and I'm coming to challenge you. And I'm doing it out of love because I feel like that this church is on the edge of something crazy special. And I feel like God's called me tonight to just come and nudge you just a little bit and push you just a little bit. And we could, we could be inspired tonight. We could cheer tonight. But I think that God's laid a word on, on my heart for you tonight, for the entire church that's here, and even those that aren't that maybe get a chance to see this, to just nudge you a little bit outside of your comfort zone tonight. Everybody good with that? Awesome. I know you don't know me well. I'm asking you to trust me. I know you don't know me well. I'm asking you to trust me. Jesus, thank you for the opportunity to be here tonight. Holy Spirit, you are welcomed, and you're already in this place where two or three are gathered together in your name. You are here. And God, it was, it was apparent during worship. It was apparent during baptisms. It was apparent during communion. Holy Spirit, you are in this place. So tonight, God, we ask that you would move. God, I pray that everything that I say tonight would be nothing of me. It would be all of you, God. Less of me, more of you, God. I pray that tonight would challenge. It would encourage. God, it would even convict a little bit, God, that we would not walk into this place and leave the same tonight. That's not the goal. The goal is that we'd leave out of here tonight being a little closer to you moving a little more towards what you've called us to be, being a little more of who you want us to be in our community, in our workplace, in our families as sons and daughters of the King. So we worship you tonight, God. We love you and thank you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. I'm excited tonight. Uh, this is a touchscreen TV I hear. I've never done this before. So bear with me if I turn to the TV expecting a slide to come on and nothing comes on, and I look at your production guy in the booth, and nothing happens, and then it clicks, oh yeah, i got to touch the TV. So just give me, like, we have a TV at my church, I have to trust the projectionist, and there's many a times where I'm on the next slide, and they do nothing, and I'm like, nothing. Kids on the phone in the back texting somebody, and I'm like, you're killing me, bro, but tonight, I, I control my own destiny. So when I mess up, it's all on me tonight. So anybody ever been misunderstood? Come on, show of hands. Anybody ever been misunderstood? Anybody ever been misunderstood? Anybody ever, um, anybody ever said something enough times that you actually believe that it's true? Like if you just keep saying it, that, that it, it actually becomes reality to you? I've been told I over-exaggerate. Um, anybody, anybody, an over anybody have an over-exaggerator in your family? Anybody have an, if you're not raising your hand, it's probably because it's you. Like anybody got an over-exaggerator? Anybody an over-exaggerator in the room? Okay, okay. We're going out to eat tonight, wherever you want to go. We'll go eat. We'll tell good stories, won't we? Over-exaggerators tell good stories. My wife and I met uh, in Cleveland, Tennessee at Lee University, and uh, I met her there, and I was a graduate assistant on the college baseball team, which meant one thing. I had no what? Money. I had no money. So I had no money. I had just enough money to get by uh, to make things happen, and, and uh, I met her, and um, she, you know, uh, we, I ate a lot of banquet meals in my house. And by that, I mean the $1.99 box meals that you put in the, yeah, corn, mashed potatoes, and two chicken nuggets that were expired, like type of eating. Yeah, so, so that's how I ate. She didn't eat that way. So when we met, she wanted to go out to eat, which was great. I had $47 to my name. True story. I said, where do you want to go eat? She said, chops. I'm like, great. It's probably a place that serves good pork chops. I can probably afford that. We pull into chops. It's a high-end steakhouse in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I'm like, okay. All right, well, we go in. So we go in, we sit down. I'm like, all right, here we go. We got $47. I got cash, no debit card, cash. We are going all in on this. So, so, so we sit down. Um, homegirl goes appetizer. 
You don't go appetizer. That's nine bucks plus tax plus tip. We're at eleven twenty-seven and we haven't even started yet. <laughs> appetizer. I'm like, okay, we can do because I'm like, I mean, she's 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 Kimberly size, so I'm like, okay, well she's she's gonna get a salad. Twenty ounce ribeye. Twenty ounce ribeye side extra side. That's another four ninety nine. I'm like, oh, oh like I, I'm like I'm sweating across the table. Twenty ounce ribeye. You weigh a buck ten, girl. A twenty ounce ribeye. I go side salad. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm gonna diet. I'm vegan. I know this guy named JC. He's really been pushing me to eat healthier. I side salad. I'm like, okay, you know what? We're good. It's like 38, 39 bucks. Literally doing math in my head the whole time. Like 20 ounce ribeye. It took up the whole plate. Like it came out. She's eating. She goes to the restroom. I'm counting cash underneath the table. I'm like 38, 39, 40. I'm going to have just enough to leave this poor girl like a dollar tip and jet. Like I would never do that, but I, had, I was going to have to. Then homegirl comes out waitress and you know the waitress at the nice restaurant like they don't just come out and tell you about dessert they come out with a dessert platter sampler thing to show you she goes red velvet cake $7.99 I'm out of money no money I'm gonna have to wash dishes to get out of this place I literally got up I went and talked to the manager I said sir I'm on a date with this rich girl that I didn't know could eat like she could eat. <laughs> I don't have enough money to pay. <laughs> I, listen, I live up the road. I get paid on Friday. I promise you, I'm a, I, I, I even, I'm like I wasn't, but I said I'm a good Christian kid. I'm like, I will bring your money back. He looked at me, thank God, he looked at me and just smiled and said, you're good, man. I said, I'm not going to be able to leave your waitress a tape. He said, I'll take care of a tip. He said, he said, I'll take care of it. I'm like, thank you so much. Like, you have no idea what this means to me. I'm like crying. I'm 20 years old. I'm like <laughs> the poor kid that has no money with the rich girl at Chops thinking I'm going to a, a pork chop restaurant. Thought I was going to Golden Corral, all you could eat. So I tell that story all the time. She's like, Kyle, that is not what happened. I got a six-ounce filet. I'm like, no, you didn't. You got a 20-ounce ribeye. I remember. She's like, no, I didn't. Two years ago, you told the story. You said, I got a 12-ounce sirloin. I said, no, you didn't. You got a 20-ounce ribeye. By 2020, she'll probably have ordered a porterhouse when I tell this story. But that's what I remember. Like, I've told the story so many times. My friends laugh every time I get ready to tell the story to someone new because they literally like, I wonder how big the steak's going to be. Like, it's a 20-ounce ribeye. In my mind, it took up the whole plate. I remember because I've told the story so many times. That's actually what I think happened. Anybody ever, anybody ever done that? Anybody ever, anybody ever said something enough in, in, in your head that you actually start to believe that it's true? See, we live in the world today in 2018, man, and there are a lot of things floating around in our world today and a lot of things that people are saying that Jesus said that Jesus actually never said. That we're living in a world today that says, you know what, I'm going to read the Bible and I'm going to read the places and the things that I like that add value to my life, but anything that's challenging, I'm going to turn it, I'm going to tweak it, and I'm going to make it mine because I need Jesus to say the things that I need in my life. I don't need Jesus to say anything that challenges my life. And I believe that God brought me here tonight. I, and again, I trust me, but I love you. I just think that God wants me to challenge you tonight because this church is on the verge of something special. It's on the verge of something special. And tonight we're going to talk about some things that, that maybe Jesus never said that's maybe gotten caught up in your vocabulary. And maybe, just maybe, they're the, the few things that if we could get figured out tonight that God wants to do not only something special in you, He wants to do something special through you in this church in this season. 
of this church. There's some sayings in our world today that, that say, see, here it goes. What do I do, bro? I'm touching it just like you told me to. I don't want to touch Jesus' mouth. Dude, that feels good. Do you see like it fades? That's the real deal. What, do I just need to hold it? You hold it. I use two fingers. I use one finger. One finger. Okay. All right, we're going to go through some of these. Um, maybe some of us say this, God, God will never give me more than I can handle. Anybody ever say that? Anybody ever give that advice? Oh, oh no, 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 sweetheart, sweetheart, God will never give you more than you can handle. Well, well Jesus, Jesus actually doesn't say that anywhere in his, in his Bible. Bro, I don't know what else to do. There it goes. Just look at the kid in the back. <laughs> God helps those who help themselves. Absolutely, he does. God helps those who help themselves. Anybody heard that in our world today? God helps those who help themselves. It's like a delay. It doesn't matter what I believe as, as long as I believe in something. Anybody ever heard that? It doesn't matter what I believe as long as I believe in something. And honestly, tonight, I think tonight is, is something we're going to talk about and we're going to spend most of our time that might blow some of your minds because I hear it all the time in my office when I meet with people in our church. I hear it in my family. I hear it in my wife's family, our extended family. I hear this phrase all the time that people, they, they'll, they'll look on and they'll say things. They'll go, you know what? God just wants me to be happy. That it doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter which choice that I make. At the end of the day, God just wants me to be happy. Here's the problem, though. Nowhere in God's word do we find that, that God ever says he just wants us to be happy. Nowhere in the Bible does it say God just wants us to be happy. The problem is, is we love to be happy, don't we? It's what our country is all about, right? We went out and voted yesterday because we, wanna, we, wanna per, we want the pursuit of what? Happiness. It's what our country is all about. If we get the right people sitting in the right seats, then, then they're going to make choices that are eventually going to make us more happy, that we live in America, and it's the pursuit of happiness. Here's some things in my life that, uh, that make me happy. Come on, somebody. Anything wrapped in bacon? Anybody? Nobody? You don't like to eat in Georgia? All right. The, uh, Krispy Kreme makes me happy. Come on now with the red light. If you don't pull in with the red light, you're not saved. Like the, the devil's got something going on inside of you that's lying to you that you shouldn't pull in. We just got a Krispy Kreme in Fort Myers after 10 years of leaving there, and I'm moving next week. So mad. So mad. Um, Auburn winning makes me happy. Doesn't happen a lot, but it makes me happy when they do. Uh, uh, vacation, anybody? Vacation make you happy? Come on, vacation. Vacation makes you happy. Payday. Oh, you guys don't like to get paid in Georgia? You don't like to get paid in Georgia? Payday makes me, makes me happy. We live in a world today that says, you know what? Wh whatever you like, whatever you enjoy, whatever makes you happy, choose that. And the problem with that is, is that it's become a measuring stick, I believe, for so many of our lives. That so many of our lives are, are being measured with this measuring stick of, of happiness. I worked in the construction world for a while. There's, there's one tool that every single person brings on a, onto a job, every trade. If you're a floor guy, if you're a door guy, if you're an electrician, if you're a plumber, there's one tool that every trade across the board brings in, and that's, that's it's simply what? It's a measuring tape. Measuring tape. Everybody has a measuring tape on. 
And everything in a construction job, if we were building this place here, everything comes down to a quarter of an inch. Everything comes down to an eighth of an inch. Everything comes down to measuring it just right so that it fits in just right. And I think the problem in our world today is that a lot of us are walking around and we're making decisions in our life based on what makes us happy. That happiness has become the measuring stick for the morals and values, even as Christians, that we have today. That we read the Bible and we're okay with the parts that we do that make us feel happy, but the things that challenge us outside of happiness, we don't seem to like as much. And it's become a measuring stick for our lives. The problem with that is when we're building our lives, we have to have something that's the standard. We have to have something that we measure everything with. If you measure your marriage on happiness, settle down over there, ma'am. Is he with you tonight? <laughs> You're doing a better job than you think you are, man. If we measure our, our marriage on happiness, then my goodness, no wonder the divorce rate is so high in our world today. If we measure every decision we make on finances by happiness, no wonder our world is so in debt today. If we make our parenting decisions on what makes our kids happy, no wonder we're having a, a dilemma right now with teenagers around our country. If we measure the decisions we make in our world today on happiness, then the measuring tape is going to look different every single time we measure it because what made us happy yesterday is not going to make us happy today. Who made us happy 20 years ago is now all of a sudden not making us happy today. And if we measure our lives with this pursuit of happiness, this idea that God wants me to be happy, then we are going to walk around in our lives today broken and upset because happiness is not the measuring stick as followers of Christ that God wants us to have in our lives. And I want to challenge you tonight, and I want to I push on your comfort zone a little bit because I believe there's a lot of us that are walking around today and we're looking on at so many things in our life through this lens of does it make me happy or does it make me not happy? Look what it says here in this incredible verse. Actually, we're going to go to that part. So in John 16, 33, it says, In this godless world, you will experience what? Difficulties. But take heart, I've overcome the world. The verse doesn't say in this God-filled world, everything's going to be amazing. In this God-filled world, everything's going to be, everything's going to be, everything's going to be happy. In this God-filled world, you're never going to face any troubles or trials or difficulties. The verse says, in this godless world, you will experience difficulties. That just because we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, just because we end up in a baptism booth, just because we serve in his local church does not mean we will not face difficulties in our life today. In this godless world, we will experience difficulties, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Three misunderstandings about being happy. Here's the first one. Whatever makes me happy must be right. Whatever makes me unhappy must be wrong. That a misunderstanding and happy today in our world today is that, that whatever makes me happy must be right. But whatever makes me unhappy must be wrong. Look what the incredible prophet Cheryl Crow said. Actually, it's not in there. My bad. I am killing this touchscreen thing tonight. So uh, the great prophet Cheryl Crow said, if it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. If it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. That's the world we live in today. That no matter what the Bible says, if it makes you happy, don't worry about it. It can't be that bad as long as you're happy. 
we say things like, well, honey, just do whatever you, just do whatever you need to do, whatever, whatever makes you happy. Anybody ever received that advice? You don't have to show your hand. Anybody ever given that advice? On the contrary, we say don't, don't do things because it makes you unhappy. Well, you don't, don't worry about doing that. If that makes you unhappy, just don't worry about it. And we're living in a world today that has a misunderstanding about happy, and it says whatever makes me happy, it must be right. Whatever, whatever makes me unhappy, it must be wrong. The second one is this, is that discomfort, delay, suffering, inconvenience, obstacles, and pain, that can't be God's will in my life. That, that, that God wants me to be happy, so there's no way that if there's any discomfort in my life, if there's any delay in my life, That's the best thing I've done all night. I didn't touch it right there a second ago. Like it just went. Now it's going on motion. <laughs> I told you I was not going to do very well with this tonight. Discomfort, delay, suffering, inconvenience. If anything's an obstacle or pain in my life, it can't be God's will. God can't be in any of that stuff. Church, can I challenge you tonight that the truth is we try to avoid suffering. We try to avoid delay. Anything that's discomfort, we try, to, we try to avoid obstacles and pain in our life. And God will never put us in a situation. He'll never cause discomfort on us. He'll never cause suffering on us. He'll never cause pain on us. But he will allow it. Because he knows when he allows it, if we'll lean into him, he wants to do something new in us so that he can do something new through us. So, but, but it can't be God's plan or will if there's discomfort in my life. Because God just wants me to be what? Happy. So when this discomfort comes in, when this inconvenience comes in, when this, when this obstacle comes in, we, God, 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 what are you doing? This can't be true because you just want me to be, to be happy. The problem is, if you've been around Bible study at all, every single person that ever did anything big for God went through every single one of these things. Anybody in the Bible that did something big for God, they experienced discomfort. Joseph experienced delay. He experienced suffering. He experienced inconvenience. There were obstacles and pain in his story. But when he walked through them with Christ, I will walk through you, with you through the valley of the shadow of death. He walked through him. He got to the place that God wanted him to be. But, but man, I don't, that can't be God's will because God just wants me to be, he just wants me to be happy. The third misunderstanding about being happy is this, is without knowing it, we begin to worship the false God of money, comfort, pleasure, and things. When we actually have a filter in our life that God just wants me to be happy, then all of a sudden money and comfort and adrenaline, these things, they actually become false gods in our life. And this is where I believe after traveling around and speaking and talking to so many people in my office and having small groups in my home and meeting with people that are far from God, people that have just accepted Jesus, people that have been baptized, and people that have been serving in his church for 30 years, people that give above and beyond financially, people that have taken so many next steps in their relationship with Christ are still living in a place that they actually believe, well, God wants me to be happy, so, so they actually start worshiping these false gods of money and comfort and adrenaline and pleasure, and, and that's where so many of us are living today. And the problem, was that, the problem with that is that if God wants us to be happy, then God exists to serve us. That if that's true, that if, if, if money is what, if God, like if, if money gives us happiness, if adrenaline gives us happiness, if pleasure, like if we start believing that and worshiping false gods, then we look on at God and go, well, then God, I need these things to be happy. So God, if you want me to be happy, then, then obviously God must exist to serve me. It's a misunderstanding 
of happy Zaxby's here. Is there a Zaxby's in the town anywhere? Zaxby's? We just got that in Fort Myers too. We're a little behind. Zach sauce? So good. Like if you like a good day is you hit Zaxby's for lunch and you swing over to Krispy Kreme for dessert, and then your wife makes something with bacon on it for dinner. Like that's a good day. It's a good day. Until you turn about 33 and then all of a sudden it's a big day. And then it just gets bigger. <laughs> um, I, was at, I was at Zaxby's. So, <laughs> all right. I, I don't know what you call them. I call them a cosmic Coke machine. Like the, you, you know what I'm talking about? Like the Coke machine that like you go over and you have like 227 options. What's it called? Freestyle. Can you freestyle? Okay. Um, I call it a cosmic Coke machine. Free, freestyle Coke machine. So I'm behind a lady at, uh, at, at Zaxby's. True story. Not over-exaggerating. Um, <laughs> She, she, she's in line. She puts her little Coke underneath, and she clicks. She clicks, Diet Coke, caffeine-free, cherry, zero. I'm standing behind her. I'm like, did she just order a Diet Cherry Coke, caffeine-free, zero? I'm like, it, it literally comes up out of stock. She flips a lid. Like, she is not okay. She leaves her cup there. She goes to the, she's like, man, where's the manager at? Where's the manager at? I'm like, oh, my. I'm like, who comes to Zaxby's to order a diet, cherry Coke, zero, gluten-free Pepsi? Like, it's not in there because they don't even make it, lady. She is not okay. She's like, I need the manager. Manager comes out. She's like, I tried to get whatever. It didn't have it. I'm not okay with that. Uh, in those moments, anybody else, are you like me? Like, I, I stand back and I'm like, oh. <laughs> I'm like, I'm excited to see how my man handles this. He is trained, but they did not play this scenario out at Zaxby's manager school, 100%, like there's no way. She goes on for a few minutes. I'm like, I need to get my drink, but her cup's still there. Like, I don't want to make her mad. So like, I just leave there. She looked at the guy, she's like, the machine failed me. I was like, what? I literally laughed out loud. She's like, the machine failed me. It didn't give me what I wanted. And I stood there in that moment. I'm like, wow, what a picture of our world today. That if I can't click on Amazon and get it to my doorstep in 48 minutes, if I can't swipe my card, whether or not I have the money or not, if I can't get what I want, when I want it, how I want it right now, then I'm not happy. And if I'm not happy, something's not right. And the truth is in our life and our relationship with God, we can get to a place where if I'm not happy, then God's failed me. That if I'm not happy because I'm not getting what I want, God, I've been asking for months and you're not answering. And because we think there's a misunderstanding that God wants us to be happy, that if he's not giving me what I want that would make me happy, then God, you're failing me. And we're walking around in our lives as followers of Christ with a misunderstanding of who God is. God is not a cosmic freestyle, cherry gluten-free Sprite Zero Coke machine. He is not a push-a-button type of God, and you get what you want so that it'll make you happy. That's not how he works. It's not how he works. But God, I went to church for like three weeks in a row. I went to that little move track that JC is always talking about. And Trey and Ben were there, and they were like, we're so glad you're here. You came. We've been asking for months. I went, and they told me if I went, I'd be on fire for Jesus. I went to it. I got a sticker that said, you've been to move track. I got on a serve team. 
I got on the worship team. I'm worshiping him. Don't you wish, I don't know, the lady in the yellow tonight? Dear heavens. I'm going to take you with me. You come to my church. Where are you at? There you are. There you are. I will press that, that Diet Coke cherry yellow shirt, yellow hills. Just get you a flight of... My goodness. I didn't even know you could say Waymaker. That's spiritual. I put some money in the offering bucket. Like I threw a 10 in last week. A 10. I almost did the 20, but I'm like, oh, I don't know. And then I didn't get that job at Delta. I didn't get that job at Georgia Power. That boyfriend and girlfriend hasn't walked into my life. We put that offer in in that gated community that we thought we had and it got turned down. God, I was online right at 10 o'clock when the new limited edition Jordans came out and I clicked purchase and it said sold out. You're failing me. I'm serving you. Psalm 97.12 says, may all who are godly be happy. (laughs) May all who are godly be happy in who? In the Lord. And all who are godly be happy in stuff. And all who are godly be happy in things. And all who are godly be happy in what you want. No, 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 no. May all who are godly, followers of Jesus Christ, sons and daughters of the King, be happy in the Lord. And do what? Praise Him. Not for what you get or what you don't get because of who He is. Not in your good day, but in your bad day. Not in your average day, but in your every day. You go, God, even though I'm not getting what I want, even though I'm not getting what would make me happy, maybe it's possible because of Jeremiah 29, 11 that says, you have a plan for my life, a sovereign plan, that maybe you're not giving me what you think, what I think would make me happy in the moment because you got something better for me if you say no to that. But we live in a world that says, no, God, if you're not giving me what I want and I'm not happy, then you're failing me. It's a misunderstanding of happy. Here's kind of a big idea for tonight. It says this. It says, God doesn't want you to pursue happy. God wants you to pursue him. As Christ followers, we are not living for the pursuit of happiness. We are living for the pursuit of one. We are living in pursuit of the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the Prince of peace, the Almighty God, the Savior of the world. We do not pursue happy, we pursue Him. So here's maybe something that will press on you tonight just a little bit. You guys with me? Thank you for letting me be here. I'm sorry I'm horrible with this TV. (laughs) Here's some areas in... I don't know. I think these will challenge you. Three reasons God doesn't want you to be happy. He doesn't want you to be happy when it causes you to do something wrong or unwise. In Alabama and Georgia, sinful or stupid. I'm from Alabama. I can say that. When it causes you to do something wrong or 
unwise. God doesn't want you to be happy if it's if you're making a choice that's wrong or unwise, if it's sinful or or stupid. The truth is that we have a little bit of an entitlement to happy. We say things like you deserve to be happy. Anybody said that to a group of friends around the table at the lunch table in the last two months? You deserve to be happy. Anybody had somebody tell you that in the last six weeks? Oh, you, but you deserve to be happy. We feel like we should be able to do what we want as long as it makes us happy. That's why we live in a world today that says this, if I'm not happy at my job, I just quit. I, I felt like a year ago God led me here, God opened this door, but now I'm just not happy. So I, I just, you know what? I think I'm going to quit. This church, it doesn't make me happy anymore, so I'm going to go try somewhere else. And you're here tonight. <laughs> you're here tonight. So I, I don't think this is you. But I, I will challenge you that the local church 2,000 years ago, 200 years ago, two years ago, and 200 years from now was never built for your happiness. And, 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 and things will change. And, uh, <laughs> and I want you to know your pastor talks so good behind your back. He talks so good behind your back. So good behind your back. But I, I, I can't imagine as a person doing what I do up here that I've, I've, I've launched campuses at our church. I've taken over campuses in our church when campus pastors have transitioned. I've been at other churches. I, I know when change occurs, it all makes us a little uneasy. When the choir goes from the center to the side, when... When you go from the big pulpit to the little silver pulpit, when you go to a TV that you have to touch in very unique ways to make it work, to like it, it's it's just it's just we, we live in a world today that doesn't like change. We just don't like change. But can I tell you something, man? When God brings change into a local church, it's because He wants to do something new, not something, not even something different. God's still the same. He wants you to receive salvation. He wants you to publicly declare to get baptized. He wants you to go find out your spiritual gifts. He wants you to serve people in the local church and outside the local church. He wants you to steward your time, your talent, your gifts, and your money well for the kingdom. That's all the same. He doesn't change. But when he does something, but when we change an approach, it's only because God wants to do something new in you and new in people that aren't here yet. Is it possible that there are people that are on Sunday laying in their beds at noon still hung over from the night before? Is it possible that there are teenagers in bed on Sunday morning at 1 in the afternoon and they were up cutting the night before because some kid said something about them on social media? And is it possible that when something like this changes and when it catches a buzz in the community and God's doing a new thing, that those people who might not have never walked into the door two years ago will walk into the door and that teenage girl's not going to cut anymore and that guy's going to stop drinking and that marriage is going to be restored because there's a new thing going on. It's a new thing going on, not a different thing, just a new thing. So don't, 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 leave, don't leave a church because a method has changed and all of a sudden I'm not as happy with that, that method. Is it possible we need to stop saying, I wish the church would do that and start asking God because I feel this way with what we're doing? What is it you're trying to do in me? My wife isn't satisfying me anymore, so I'm just going to... My husband doesn't make me happy anymore, so I'm just going to get a divorce. He just doesn't make me happy anymore. I've sat with more people in my office that have looked me in the eye and said, he, just, he or she just doesn't make me happy anymore. 
And there's not a single wedding I've ever done that I stand during the vow portion. I go for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, or until he or she doesn't make you happy. My wife didn't make me happy this morning. She, she, she was in a foul mood. And I probably did something to deserve it. But I made a vow. We've been poor. We've had money. She's gone through seasons of terrible back issues. She's been sick. We've been healthy. There have been days that I wasn't happy and she wasn't happy with me. But the measuring stick of your marriage is not happiness. I know we aren't married, but, but sex with them makes me so happy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know I shouldn't. It's crude and vulgar, but it's really, really funny. I know I shouldn't. It's crude and vulgar, but it's, but it's really, really funny. Church, can I challenge you that happy doesn't make wrong right? Happy doesn't make wrong right. It's a misunderstanding of happiness in our world today that if it makes me happy, even though it's wrong, it's okay. Look what First Peter says. It says, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. Hey, church, you want to know that you want to know the churches that are doing exceptional things around our world today, and I'm going to put you in that category because I believe God is right on the brink by next Easter that something's going to break on this place and at Go Church in D.C., and you're going to see something that on the, on the old days maybe some of you called revival. I just think you're going to see more salvations between January January and April of next year than you've ever seen in the history of your church. And we saw 14 beautiful baptisms. We saw 14 beautiful baptisms tonight, but I'm going to say that's going to be tenfold in 2019 that you're going to see 140 people get baptized. I, I just, I've been praying for your church for months and I've known JC and Kimberly for years and I just feel like there's something to next year. There's something to cross in the year mark of a transition that once we've all settled in and we're all okay with the choir being on the side and the TV that works sometimes and the worship guy who can totally bring it, by the way, like once we get, once we're all made the decision that we're happy and this is our church, God God's going to do something crazy unique because when you're united, the spirit moves in a way that's different than when there's division. And I look across this church, man, and the thing that makes me smile more than anything else is the diversity in this place. Look around for a second because this is what heaven's going to look like. And she's going to be singing in heaven and I'm going to be worshiping right by her. God's going to do something special. I really believe that January to Easter of next year, you remember tonight, if this group right here can be a catalyst of going, you know what? We are committed to this church. We're going to go to the move track. We're going to start serving and leading and giving, and we're going to go from being inward for a little season to turning outward, and we're going to use the gift of evangelism that's on this house because of the favor that's been given in other places. You're going to see old school revival or new school momentum. I don't care what words you use, but it's going to be special and it's going to be fun, but it has to be a group of people that choose holiness. The churches that are doing something special across the country today, and I've been to a lot of them and, and everybody goes, man, what are they doing up there at such and such church? I'll tell you what they're doing. Their preaching's not better. World-class world -class preacher could preach anywhere in the country, at any church in the country, on any stage in the country. Their worship's not better. He did something a little while ago that I've never heard done before. 
It was like the highest pitch rift I've ever heard in my life. I'm like, that is amazing. Homegirl can sing. Your band's good. You have a beautiful building. It's beautiful. I walked through it today. And I looked at JC and I'm like, this is gorgeous, bro. Are you kidding me? This is it's very nice. <laughs> it's very nice. I met your team. You have an incredible team that's figuring it out. You have an incredibly gifted team. The churches that are doing something special are the ones where the leaders, which I'll consider many of you here tonight because you're here on a first Wednesday when you could be doing anything else and you're here choosing to worship God, which means you're called onto the vision, you're inspired by the vision, and you're excited by the vision because you're here tonight. It is a group of leaders who have chosen to not make choices that make me happy but are choosing choices that make me more holy. And the more holy the leaders get in a church, the more God trusts them with more lives to be steward. And the more holy leaders get in a church, the more people are going to come in and get saved and baptized because a church will only grow at the, at the rate in which the leaders are growing in holiness. That is, the, that is the way a church grows in numbers. You want more salvations? Then we have to start making more choices that make us more holy. You want more baptisms? Then we have to eliminate some things in our life that make us happy that aren't even wrong but aren't making us more holy. Those are the churches that are doing something special in our world today. Holiness is more important than happiness. What do I mean? Here's my challenge. Hey, young people, I grew up in Montgomery, Alabama in the 90s. All that was on the radio station was hip-hop and R&B. I loved it. Like, throw some boys to men on right now on bended knees. Somebody... It should have been, they wrote worship songs. They just didn't talk about Jesus in them. If you think about it, well, maybe there's a couple that probably weren't, probably weren't worship songs, but on bended knee could have been one. I love it, man. I grew up listening to that type of stuff. But if you're young in the room, can I just challenge you for a second as someone who's not too far older than you? J. Cole and... Kanye and Drake and Nicki Minaj or if you're into country, Sam Hunt and if you're into alternative, the 1975s or Lanny singing about alcohol, drugs, money and booty in your ear all the time while you're working out or walking to school or laying in your bed doesn't lead you towards holiness. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because we all have that stuff in our life. Here are my questions, leaders. You ready? You want, you, you want to do something special in your city? It comes down to a group of leaders who are willing to give up things that make them happy in order to pursue holiness. What are you watching on Netflix? What movie do you go to on Friday night with your spouse that you look around and hope nobody from the church sees you at? What music do you listen to when you work out? Because I can promise you that whatever you put inside of you, it will come out when pressure's put on. That if I had a balloon on the, on the stage tonight and I blew air in it and that somebody came and sat on it, they would be applying what to it? Pressure. What would come out of it when it pops? Air. If I put water in it and applied pressure to it and it popped, what would come out of it? Whatever you put on the inside is what will come out on the outside when pressure is put on. And the churches across our country today that are doing amazing things are full of a group of leaders who have chosen to pursue holiness more than happiness. And I just believe that this church is really, really close to that, can I just challenge you with this statement that Jesus didn't die for our happiness, he died for our holiness. Jesus didn't die so we can make decisions that make us happy, he, he died so that we could pursue holiness and fulfill the great commission 
on planet earth. Hillsong, elevation, passion, Bethel worship, singing about Jesus, grace, heaven, love that moves us towards holiness. Ladies reading fiction books about love stories that aren't real and then measuring your marriage on that fiction book of something that's not real is not good. You can call me crazy. You can call me crazy because my family is, is divorced today and I would put one of the three reasons because there was way too many fiction books read about love stories that weren't real and all of a sudden I'm not happy anymore because it's, it, it should be like this. It's not real, it's fake. Anything you're doing in your life to disconnect, to take the pressure away, to, to just not have to think about something that doesn't move you more closer to God is not what God wants for you. Jesus didn't die for your happiness. He died for your holiness. Hebrews 10.10 says, For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all time. He, he did not sacrifice his body for happiness in our world today. He sacrificed his body so that we could be made holy by that sacrifice. Here's a quick question for you tonight that I hope you'll ponder sometime this week. What have you been doing to find happiness that's getting in the way of your holiness? Come on, South Metro, one thing tonight. I do, I felt like God called me here to challenge you tonight because this church is on the verge of something special and I think it's the leaders choosing to pursue holiness from now to April of next year and watch what God will do. And if you could tonight find the one thing that you've been doing, what have you been watching on Netflix? My wife and I, I'm not standing up here today. Got it. Oh. Yes. I'm not standing up here tonight telling you that I don't do any of these things. My wife and I have been watching a show on Netflix for two years, and about two months ago we looked at each other and said, hey, enough's enough. Not because it's wrong. Not even because it's really that even, it's, it's not even that bad. But I believe that, that, that Paul was talking to Timothy in 2 Timothy and he said, Timothy, be a vessel living a clean life. That there are articles and, and things of wood and clay in a home and there's things of gold and silver. Which one is God going to use for special purposes? If I showed up at Thanksgiving dinner at your house and there were dirty plates off to the side or clean china to the right, which plate do you think I would choose to put my meal on that day? I would choose the china because it's clean and it's of gold and silver and it's for a special occasion like Thanksgiving. And what God's looking for in his church today to do something special in a church through is a group of people who are going, hey, there are smudges on my plate and I need to clean them off because I want to be used not for normal purposes but for special purposes. And I just believe that tonight, some of us, we have a smudge or two on our plate, and that's okay. Two months ago, my wife and I looked at each other and said, hey, we have been disconnecting watching this show because it's funny and it makes us laugh, but it's not okay. There was a comedian that I love. I think he's the funniest guy on planet Earth. And I got caught up watching him for a season for three or four months, and the Lord convicted me and said, it's not even wrong that you're watching him, but it sure isn't moving you towards holiness. If you want to be used for special purposes, you've got to keep cleaning the plate. You've got to keep pursuing holiness. That God might ask you to give something. God doesn't just ask you to give up sin. It's a misunderstanding. We think that God only asks us to give up sin. God asks you to give up anything that has control of your heart. And sometimes that's not even sin. Years ago, God asked me to give something up that I looked on at a group of people that were doing the same thing I was doing, and they had 10 times more of a platform than I have had and probably ever will have in the body of Christ today. And I literally fought with God going, well, they do that. They put it on social media that they do that. 
Why do you want me to give that up? And he, he spoke so clear to my heart, Kyle, it doesn't have their heart. It has your heart. That when you need to disconnect, you don't come to me, you go to that. When they need to disconnect, they don't go to that, they come to me. So I haven't asked them to give that up, I'm asking you to give it up. So God will ask you to give up things that aren't even wrong. But if you want to go up, you got to give up. You got to give up options and rights in your life if you want your influence to go up. The more options and rights you give up, the more and more that gets narrow, that you're willing to give up things for the holiness of Jesus Christ, the more influence God will give you in your life. The pursuit of holiness and not happiness. And we'll end in just a second with this. When it's based on the world, on things of this this world, that God doesn't want you to be happy when it's based on things of this world. The world says better possessions plus peaceful circumstances plus thrilling experiences, the right relationships, the perfect appearances, that's what makes me happy. But First John says, do not love this world nor the things it offers you for when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. That we weren't made to have happiness in this world. We were made to pursue holiness and to worship God and then live a life in eternity with him by our side. We weren't made to live this life to be full of happiness. And that's because there's something better than happiness. And that is simply this. It's that there is something better. Blessed is better. There's something better than happiness in this world today. It's blessed. Blessed is better. The Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus' first sermon, he kept saying, Jesus kept saying that he wanted us to be blessed. And that word in, in the original language, in the Greek language, was markarius, and that means more than happy. God doesn't want us to be happy. He wants us to be more than happy. He wants us to be blessed. And church, that doesn't mean that if we follow him that you'll never get sick. It doesn't mean that everything will be perfect. It doesn't mean that you'll get your dream house or you'll lose the weight without trying. It doesn't mean that you'll never lose a job. But what it does mean when we're blessed is that God's always with you. It means that there's peace in every storm. There's comfort in the pain. There's strength in every weakness and there's joy in every trial. And when we pursue God over happiness, we get more than we could ever have hoped for. We get blessed. Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. If you pursue holiness, he will give you the desires of your heart. Look at this quote and we'll finish tonight. It's by Max Licato, who's just an incredible author. He says, you weren't made for earth. Moments of happiness can't compare to what's ahead. Lower your expectations of earth, but not heaven. No new car, no new wife or husband, no new baby, no new boat will ever give you the joy your heart craves. Lower your expectations of earth, but not heaven. You weren't made for earth and moments of happiness cannot compare to what's ahead for you. South Metro, I just want to challenge you tonight that we close with Psalm 97, 12, and it says, may all who are godly be what? In what? And do what? No matter your circumstance. No matter a mountaintop or a valley, no new home, no new promotion, no new marriage, nothing about your kids making straight A's, if your health's 100%, if your vacation of a lifetime is everything you thought it would be, if you have incredible friends in this season and you're in a mountaintop season, you should praise him. 
But if you're in a foreclosure, if you've been fired from your job, if you're walking through a divorce, if your kids are being awful right now, if cancer's entered in and your finances are terrible and you feel lonely, you are supposed to do what? You praise him. And you praise his holy name because he never created you to be happy on this earth. He created you to worship him. And when you worship his holy name and you pursue holiness over happiness, God will give you the desires of your heart. And when there's a church that's pursuing holiness over happiness, God does incredibly special things. Amen? Would you stand to your feet tonight? Would you just bow your heads for a second as we close tonight? Here's what I think God wants to do tonight. Nobody's looking around. Nobody's peeking around. Nobody's trying to see if anything's going on. I just believe some of us tonight need to be prayed for real quick that there might be a smudge on the plate, a small smudge. They're going, you know what? I have got caught up and I've got caught up in disconnecting and doing something that just takes my mind off of reality so that it could make me happy for a few minutes. And I think God tonight would want to heal you from that. I think God tonight would want to eliminate that for you in your life. I think God would want to move that out of your life. And God would want you to pursue holiness in this season like never before. So every head's bowed, no eyes are looking around. Come on for the, the holiness of this moment so that someone could actually have the Holy Spirit touch their life. If, if you've got anything going on in your life, my hand's already raised. It's, it's a smudge on the plate that you go, you know what? I've got caught up in that, and it's not moving me towards holiness. And tonight, I wish that, I, I want to pray that the Lord would break that off of me. I want him to break off the fact that I've been going to alcohol two or three times a week. It's only a couple beers, but it's more than I used to do, and I've been using it to disconnect. I want to pray that God would break that addiction of watching and binging on Netflix five nights a week so that I can disconnect and it's not moving me towards holiness. I, I, somebody tonight needs to pray that something in their marriage, this happiness thing breaks off because it's not about happiness and your marriage would start to be restored starting tonight. Come on, if you've got a smudge on your plate, raise your hand around this place tonight. Holy Spirit, right now I pray God for the, the honesty of this moment. God, the honesty of this moment, God, with a group of leaders in the room tonight that are going, you know what? I do have a few things in my life. I do have a few things that, that aren't moving me towards holiness. God, I pray right now that because of the honesty of this moment, Holy Spirit, that you would take whatever that is in their life, God, and in this moment, you would take it away from them. God, that you would heal somebody right now. You would restore a marriage. You would break off an addiction, God, and we would leave this place not the same tonight, not with the filter that I'm gonna make decisions that bring me towards happiness, that I'm gonna choose decisions to take me towards holiness. And God, as I do that, you're gonna start to give me the desires of my heart. And God, I'm gonna praise you no matter if I'm on a mountaintop season right now or if I'm in a valley season, God, I'm gonna choose to praise your holy name. And because I do that, God, you're gonna heal me tonight. You're gonna break this off of me tonight and I walk out of this place tonight not the same but different in Jesus name everyone who agreed said amen amen thank you for letting me be here with you tonight pastor JC I love you